0: This is the Momentum Podcast.
1: There we go. We're not live. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Hello, Simple Operations community. Jennifer and Alex here. Thank you for joining us today. Alex, how are you? How are you doing You're today? Up. Doing awesome. Thanks, Jennifer. Awesome. Great to have you here and um, doing this live Q and A with our amazing community. Um, I know we have a few questions, but before we get into that, if you are watching this Facebook Live, make sure that you comment live below. That way we know that you are live. If you are watching the replay, comment replay below. If by any chance you have a question while we are engaging in this live, just post it in the comments. We do have one of our team members checking the comments, um, adding the questions to a, a document that we are using so that Alex can be able to answer your questions here on this live. All right, Alex, are you ready? I'm
0: ready, let's do this. are the evolutionary hunters clearly the most important people in the world because entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution, and we always will be.
1: Okay, so the first one is from Amanda Rivera. She said um, she had made a post in the group, and you commented on the post. So her post was, um, she asked a question to the community. This is my mantra. I run my business. by problems are just not. Are just systems that haven't been created yet and then alex your response was your business is broken and if things go well it always will be can you elaborate on your answer and why you said that
0: yeah absolutely um i think that in the entrepreneurial world today there's this dogma about building the perfect business or building a business that doesn't have any problems or building a business that doesn't have any issues And I think as entrepreneurs, we should all let go of that, you know, the, the reality, and it's a reality of running a business is that your business will always have issues. Your business will always have challenges. In fact, um, growth creates complexity as in in anything that you're doing and so the more that you grow the more complex a business becomes just by sheer number of amount of exposure and uh what you're putting out there and success creates deficits so as you are more successful you will create deficits in the business And so let me explain that because oftentimes people are like, what do you mean success creates deficits? Well, we have this concept called the five core functions of business. There's lead generation, lead nurture, conversion, delivery, retention, resell, and upsell. Those are the five things that every business does. It's also the customer journey. And if you're in a business where you don't have a lot of lead generation that's going very well, your nurture is not great. But when you do get a lead, you're converting them and you can deliver well. Then and you know your retention is decent. Then you go really work on lead generation. Well, you might break your nurture systems, and then you fix the nurture systems. Now you break conversion and delivery. And so constantly, as a company scales, we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress in the current state of the company. And what we want to do is rather than build a perfect company, we want to build a company that's adaptable and overcomes issues because it's inevitable your business will have them. And the reason that I say biz, your business is broken, and if things go well. At Always will be is because the only perfect business is one that's closed. A business that is not in business doesn't have customer challenges, doesn't have team challenges, doesn't have any issues, doesn't have any problems. There's no cash flow issues. And so you don't want a perfect business. Perfection is actually out of business. Every business I've ever worked with, every business that I've ever run has had challenges and issues. Sometimes you can see them coming, sometimes you can't. What you want is a business that's adaptable, that can overcome issues.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda, for creating that post for the community and everybody else that engaged. That was pretty awesome to watch everybody's comments with their mantras as well. The next one is from Michelle Finn. I want to master non-negotiables, but as a mom and caregiver for my mom, I find myself in a reactive mode daily. Any suggestions on flipping that switch?
0: So when she says master non negotiables, what do you think she means by that, Jennifer? I want to make sure I give the right answer.
1: Yeah. Well, I think because I'm a mom, right? Maybe like making sure that there's boundaries with life. Um, because then her next, you know, the next part of the question is I find myself on reactive mode daily. Any suggestions are not I'm not doing that, like flipping the switch. So I think it has to do with like boundaries, how to do that. Um yeah. And I think it's important with personal life and business so maybe we could address it in both scenarios here.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if if what we're talking about is having appropriate boundaries around you and and understanding like how you get out of that constant reactivity, I think as entrepreneurial personality types, you know, we tend to tolerate way too much and we are we are we are capable of tolerating far more than the average person out there that's why we can be entrepreneurs that's why we can have a life of ambiguity that's why we don't feel like we need the protection of a big company or protection of a big organization or going to work for the government or something that's stable because we go out and we create our own success and we create our own destiny um when it comes to our revenue and our income and you know we we tolerate a lot and what happens when we get into that place of constant reactivity when we get in that place of not having appropriate boundaries we tend to actually go further in that direction of having less boundaries and more activity and less boundaries and more activity and we get into a place where you know we're in a spiral that if we keep continuing on that spiral it's really hard to climb out of it's really hard to dig ourselves out of And so when it comes to being in a state of reactivity, what I often find is that the people who are in a state of reactivity are tolerating way too much and they're unclear on what they're tolerating. And so I have a simple exercise that I share with our members. I have a simple exercise that I share with anybody I'm coaching directly, simple exercise that I myself do when I'm feeling like I'm in that place of overwhelm and tolerating too much and my boundaries have gotten blurry and I'm getting irritated or frustrated on a daily basis and I feel like there's just constantly too much for me to do and I have that overwhelm in my head not just in the world here's the process that I follow it, and and I think you know this is a good first step for you if you're in that place um in fact I just shared this with Oliver Wolf who's in our program and I'm pretty sure he made a post about it so you can go read read at what, what his outcome was but Here's the process when everything's in your head and you're not clear on what's going on. That's when we tend to tolerate way too much. And that's when we tend to feel overwhelmed. And what was the word that she used in the first part
1: of the question Jennifer? Yennefer, I want to master non-negotiables.
0: Yeah. Non-negotiables. So when i when I hear non-negotiables, I hear boundaries. And so first, the first place that we need to create boundaries is for ourselves with ourselves and get really clear on what we're willing to tolerate and what is necessary right now and what's the right things and where is it that we're giving up energy we're giving up time we're giving up momentum because we're tolerating too much and so the process that i coach entrepreneurs to go through is to go for a walk (laughs) i know that everybody wants to skip this part don't skip it go for a walk for at least 20 minutes i like to go for 30 or more and think about questions like what am i tolerating what is frustrating me what feels like too much where do I feel like I've burned or blurred boundaries or I don't have boundaries? Where do I feel like I need non-negotiables? And just let all that stuff come up in your head. And then that bilateral stimulation of walking will help you process, will help you get in touch with how you're feeling, will help you really understand where the pressure and noise is coming from come back from that walk sit down take out a sheet of paper and write down everything that is going on for you right now you know oftentimes when we're in a place of not feeling like we have non-negotiables feeling like there's blurred boundaries feeling like we're overwhelmed it's because we're really not clear on everything that is causing us noise and everything that is frustrating us and so you write it all out as much as you can and now here's the key You actually want to feel a physiological shift you want to feel like lighter you want to feel better you want to feel like you've actually like like you've shifted something and if you if you write everything out and you don't feel a shift you don't feel a change go for another walk come back and keep writing and do that until you feel that shift until you feel that change and then once you do take a look at that sheet and ask yourself what on that sheet like what are the things that you're tolerating that are no longer necessary what are the things that you can stop putting up with and start creating clearer boundaries where are the things where you can create non-negotiables when you have everything out in writing it becomes so much easier to address what's going on as a whole than trying to say i feel like i need better non-negotiables and you know better boundaries but i can't really see where those need to be right now when you get everything out on paper, it shifts the perception of how you're seeing everything. And it also puts you in a calmer state because as entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial personality types, people with our type of brain and our type of thinking, When there's ambiguity and there's not clear outcomes, that's when we feel like we've blurred boundaries. When we don't really understand everything that's going on and we're just trying to keep up and like stay afloat and keep our head above water, that's where we feel like we don't have non-negotiables. And so when we shift that by getting everything clear and identifying where we can change things can typically start changing a lot for you and move you in the right direction.
1: So awesome. Um, Michelle, if you have any follow-up questions for that, please let us know. That was a great question. Yeah, you can
0: leave the follow up question right down in the comment below us.
1: Yeah, And I don't know if you guys noticed, but Alex does come back to the community and checks the comments on the live. So if you do have a follow up question, he will answer it for you. Um, The next one is from Daniel and he had it's a three part question. So he wants some advice on mindset and best practices for navigating change. And then the questions are, could Alex expand on this period where he ended his consulting activity and he felt a sense of loss? How do you balance? Number one, analyzing the past and extracting lessons. Number two, decompressing and being in the present. And number three, moving to the next thing and creating momentum.
0: Jennifer, I want you to give me those one at a time because I'm going to have a hard time remembering them all to, to, to uh, answer them. But can you give me the beginning of the question again? I think I know where this is going.
1: Perfect. Okay. So he said, "Could you um, have Alex expand on the period where he ended his consulting activity and felt a sense of loss?
0: So I think this person has probably heard a podcast or a presentation or an answer that I've given somewhere about when I was in my, just to give everybody context, when I was in my twenties, I ran a consultancy, Uh, very fortunate to get into consulting right around uh, 21 um I worked with major multinational companies occasionally worked with startups we worked with all the major retailers and distributors in the southeast of the United States and in Latin America so companies like Radio Shack and Walmart and um a whole bunch of companies that are now no longer in business because the retail it, 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 landscape has changed so much but um when i was 30 and i met my wife i ended up kind of selling out of that business i sold pretty quickly didn't get as much as i could have it was enough i just didn't want to be in the business anymore and i was so excited at selling that business because i didn't want to do it anymore i was traveling way too much at the time i was so ready to be done with it and then as soon as i sold it and i was out of it and i was out of the last contract the next day was one of the most challenging times of my entire life I went from having connection and significance and something to do every day and then the feeling of being needed and having, having companies need me, having my team need me, to literally the next day having absolutely no activity and nothing going on and the silence was deafening. Katie and I had just gotten into a relationship. Uh, We were living together at the time. And I like literally didn't know what to do. I was climbing the walls. It was, I I was quote unquote going to retire. That was my plan. And as soon as the reality of retirement hit, it was... Devastating. It was so hard. Like I I couldn't just sit still. I tried reading books, but there was no purpose for reading the books. So I didn't really care about the books. I tried like looking at stuff, but everything I was looking at didn't really have an outcome. So it was truly one of the most challenging times in my life. You know, um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine this week who had a really large company and ended up losing it. It was a big public company and the company went out of business. And he was saying like, you know, it's just, it was so challenging to go from all of that activity, all that energy, all the people on the team to nothing in this state of loss. And what I shared with him was, dude, even if you win, it's the same feeling. I remember Katie and I were once at a mastermind where we were at a table with a guy who was like just irritated and frustrated. And I could feel I was, I, you know, I'm an empath a lot of the time. I can shut it down sometimes, but that day I couldn't. I could feel like how frustrated and irritated he was. And at a break, I finally said, like, Hey, man, what's going on? You know, what do you do? He's like, well, I don't really do anything right now. I just exited a video, something, something business. I can't remember what it was, but I just exited it for like $120 million. I, you know, Bought a Ferrari. I have a Lamborghini on its way. I have a McLaren on its way. I think I'm going to get a Rolls Royce. I have no idea what to do. I'm so bored. And it was that same feeling of like having nothing to do. And so, I feel like I've expanded on that feeling. What is the the next part of the question, Jennifer?
1: Yeah. So his first question with that context is, um, how do you best balance analyzing the past and extracting lessons from it?
0: I think it's really hard to extract. God, I want to make sure that I'm saying this right. I think it's difficult to extract the lessons from anything if you're not actively pursuing something. And I think that, you know, a lot of times when we go through something, we want to kind of like sit there and contemplate and meditate and think like, what happened? What happened? But I think that lessons for people who are like us, lessons for entrepreneurial personality types are learned in a state of momentum and that's where we learn that's where we understand that's where we can apply lessons and say hey i did this in the past i'm not going to do this again and so i think that like definitely there's some stuff that you can think about and say you know what did i do right what did i do wrong but man we're entrepreneurs if something goes wrong in the past the way that we resolve that is to do something better right now and take it into the future and when you look at you know the reason why entrepreneurs feel such a sense of loss both when they lose a company and when they sell a company is because we get out of momentum we get into this place where we don't have anything to do we don't have any put where to go in fact that friend of mine that i was just telling you about that lost his business i sent him a copy of the entrepreneurial personality type and right before i got on this call i got a text message that says Holy crap, dude. I've only read the first 15 pages or so, but you nailed it. So much of the struggle to feel happy for me right now has been the result of the lack of momentum. Being able to be honest about this is a game changer. Thank you. And so what he's saying there is like he didn't even realize he was out of momentum. And there's three things we need to have to be in momentum. We need a clear outcome. What are you chasing? Like what direction are you going and why? We need perspective if we're actually getting there, which means we need some type of a scoreboard, something that gives us perspective. And then we need some level of accountability and contribution, like we need to contribute to other people and, and we need people who contribute to us. It doesn't necessarily mean those people are in person, like you can read books, you can get go to courses and, and get that contribution. But for us as entrepreneurs, the way that I feel like we learn from our past is moving forward into the future. And we do that by setting an outcome, like what is the thing you're going to do right now What is the scoreboard you're going to use to show you if you're moving forward? And then what help do you need and what role are you going to play in doing this? And get really clear on those three things. When we're clear on those three things, we get back into momentum and people like us learn the most. We learn the fastest and the lessons stick when we're in motion doing something.
1: So good. And then the second part to that is how do you best balance decompressing and being in the present?
0: When you say decompressing and being in the present, I'm going to make the assumption that what we're saying is after a challenge or an issue or something's happened, how do you get calm and get back into the present? And how do you decompress and get back into the present? And I wish there was a better answer to this, but if we're not in momentum, we have a really hard time with the present. And I think that that is, that's just kind of universal for us when we are not in a place where we have some time and by the way it doesn't have to be something massive my friends who have sold businesses when i have this discussion with them they'll say something like alex i don't want to start another company right now man i i don't I, like i I'm, I'm feeling like i'm in a really bad place but i don't really want to start another business and i'll say look it doesn't have to be a business Why don't you set the outcome of getting into phenomenal shape? Why don't you set the outcome of you know learning something you've never known how to do before? Why don't you set the outcome of creating something you've never created before? And I've had friends that in the the wake of selling a business, they've done stuff like, okay, I'm going to get down to a certain percentage of body fat and increase my muscle mass, or I'm going to learn how to do pottery. No joke, that's actually one that I'm thinking about. Or I'm going to learn how to whatever, like like do something else. And just by creating an outcome and pursuing it, like the dude who did pottery spun so many freaking pots, it was ridiculous, but he really learned how to do it. And then like in that 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 like sense of forward motion of learning something, doing something, improving something, changing something, he figured out what he wanted to do next and got clarity around what he wanted to do next. And so I think for us as entrepreneurs, when we are in pursuit of something we can be very comfortable in the present and that's where meditation comes in that's where breath work comes in that's where cold plunging comes in and i'm not saying that those things won't help you if you don't have a clear outcome and you're not in momentum they will they will help you get there. But if you really want to decompress and be comfortable in the present, as entrepreneurs, we're comfortable in the present when we're building the future.
1: And you know, this conversation, just throwing it a little out there, is kind of like a little hint, hint the um, optimized entrepreneur personality system. Okay, let's get back to the question. All right, so <laughs> third, <the> <laughs> part- <laughs>
0: it's coming. <laughs>
1: a little get over there. Okay, the third part to that, and it kind of tied with what you already mentioned. So I feel like you answered two and three together, but he said, how do you. Um how do you best balance moving to the next thing and creating momentum? So if you want to expand on that you can but I think you kind of answered that with number yeah, 2. Yeah, I think
0: I, I think I answered it. I, you know, I think the one warning there is and this is a sincere warning. What we do as entrepreneurs when we are in this place is we try and pick the perfect outcome next and it's like oh i need to have this really perfect outcome i have to have everything figured out it's like what do exactly do i want to do and when it comes to people like us you just need your next interim step And so what I've seen too many entrepreneurs do when they're in this place of like, I'm not going in a direction, they get stuck trying to figure out the $100 million idea. But here's the reality for most entrepreneurs' lives. If we go back to periods of momentum in our lives and we look at what started that period of momentum, often it was a humble beginning. It was like, I need to pay my bills, had this huge period of momentum. You know, I need to get through school, had this huge period of momentum. I need to finish this project, had this huge period of momentum. And what happens is when we're in a place of not being in momentum, we punish ourselves, we get ourselves stuck by not just picking an outcome and picking something that feels right. And instead, we get into this place of trying to make the perfect outcome and the perfect, like, this is where I need to go and it's gonna be my whole life and it's my life's work and it's everything else. And we can get stuck in that place of just not choosing a direction and going in it. And for people like us, the way we really figure out that future is what's the next interim step? Like. I have seen entrepreneurs go from a place of what I would call like what the world would call depression and frustration and anxiety and having the weight of the world on their shoulders to figuring out incredible places to go through getting in shape and spinning pots and like learning something. And just because they had an outcome. So don't make the outcome so important that you don't go in a direction. Going in a direction is what's important for people like us. We're like sharks, they can't live unless they're moving. And I feel like that's how entrepreneurial personality types are too. We tend to have a hard time learning anything, absorbing anything, feeling anything, unless we're in momentum pursuing something and we're on the hunt.
1: So good. And Daniel is actually watching the live now, so hopefully that answers your question, Daniel. Thank you so much for that three-part series question that Daniel gave us. Um, the next one is from Amanda. Um, this is in regards to the dis personality. We've been talking a lot about the disc. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but her question is, what disc personality do you feel is the best one for a coach? I don't
0: think there is a perfect, like if, if you're hiring a coach.
1: Yeah, if they're hiring okay.
0: So if you're hiring a coach, gosh, you know, Jennifer, I've seen almost every personality work in a coaching position as long as a person likes people. Um, I think I'm like trying to qualify this, but we've had coaches in our company that have been extraordinary that have been DC personalities. That's like really driven and organized. We had a coach that was an IS personality, like total people, people person and people protector who was really good at, at coaching. Um, I think today you and John are totally different disc profiles and you guys are both extraordinary coaches. Eddie's a totally different disc profile. He's an extraordinary coach. I think when it comes to coaching, it's one of those places where it's more about the personality than the personality type and it's people. And, and by the way, across the entire spectrum of disc per- profiles, there are people who really care about other people who feel fulfilled when they're helping somebody, who find joy and excitement in helping people solve problems and move forward and and understand what they need to do next, and who can follow a process to be able to be an effective coach. And so when it comes to coaching, like I used to joke around with people a long, long, long time ago, like, oh, you'd never want DC as a coach because D's are super driven and C's want to process and structure and routine for everything. So D's tend to be aggressively telling you about process, structure, and routine. But then I've seen it happen. We had a super high DC on our team who was a phenomenal coach, but she liked people and she cared about people and she wanted to see them succeed. So when we're recruiting for a coach, we use the disc profile to get an understanding of who the person is, but then we actually have them coach us on something. We get on a call and th- we have them coach us. Like Jennifer and John, who are coaches on our team, both of them went through this process of getting on a sample call. We were at would ask questions, they would coach us. And then we ask afterwards, like, how did we feel when they were coaching us? Did it feel like they were sincere? Did it did we feel taken care of? Did we feel protected? Did we feel like we trusted them? Did it feel like uh, they transferred momentum to us during the call and both with John and Jennifer, it was, it was awesome. Like they, they both are like natural people who want to help people and natural coaches. And so I would really look at the, the evidence outside of the disc profile to help you reinforce what you see on the disc profile. Awesome.
1: That was for Amanda. If you have any other follow-up questions to that, Amanda, um, let us know. That was, yeah, she asked for that. That was a good one. It's so funny because we've been talking about the this lately the last few days um, within the membership program. Okay. The last question is there a way that you can engage past members or past clients if your service wasn't that great in the beginning.
0: Yeah. So um this is a question that actually came into our support line and somebody was you know really wanting to understand this and so I have a couple couple things to talk about on this. So first, before when you lose a customer you should never just let them walk away. If you lose a customer because there's a challenge with your service, there's an issue with your service, that is someone that you need to go talk to, that is someone you need to chase down, that's someone you need to get on a call with, if they will get on a call with you. I wanna share a quick story and then I'll get to the second part about how do you reengage past customers. But I think the most important part of reengaging past customers is having a, a, a an understanding in place that if somebody leaves because they're dissatisfied with your service, that is like a free radical in the marketplace. It's going to bounce around and cause you problems until you chase that person down and fix things if they will give you the opportunity. So in 2009, my wife and I put out a product called the Certified Distress Property, sorry, in 2007, we put it out, the Certified Distress Property Expert. And towards the end of 2008, early 2009, we started teaching the course online. Back then there wasn't learning platforms like there is now. It took us a long time because we basically had to build everything from scratch. And one of the first people to go through our program online it was a realtor named Joe Pryor who is in uh Oklahoma City who is in Oklahoma City and Joe made a post online where I had a Google uh alert set up so anybody who put in CDP I would get a, an email and I got an email like an hour and a half after he made the post on this website a blogging site called Active Rain where the title of the post was Don't be too eager to get your CDP designation or something close to that it's it's still online, you can go find it. And then he went on to detail how he had ordered the designation online he didn't get his materials we told him we were going to ship him again he didn't get his materials like he had a very frustrating time well. As soon as I saw that post like it was within an hour and a half I picked up the phone and I called Joe Pryor and he answered the phone and I said hey Joe this is Alex Sharfin I am the CEO of the distressed property institute I wrote the CDP designation I saw your post and I'm just reaching out to to apologize and he was like uh well uh how'd you do this this fast (laughs) and i said well i have a google alert set up and anytime somebody publishes something about the cdp i get it and i saw your post and i I just want you to know here's what's happened from 2008 to 2009 our company has totally exploded we went from selling like 1,100 people last year to we're selling close to 1,100 people a month this year, and that type of growth. There has been systems that have broken all over the place, and unfortunately, you got caught up in a broken system. And we made a mistake, and we didn't ship your materials on time, and we didn't do the right. You know, we didn't we didn't ship them the second time, and so I absolutely understand your frustration. So here's what I'd like to offer: I'd like to refund your money and FedEx you new materials so that you can go through our course and there is absolutely no you know investment on your side but i want you to be one of our members and joe immediately said like oh you don't, you don't have to give my money back i mean if you get me new materials and i can go through the course i'd be really appreciative and I, and I said well joe i really appreciate that you know we're trying to run a business here just like you are but i want to make sure that you're happy with this and i want to make sure that we do the right thing by you and he said hey if you, if you get me materials and i can go through the course and i can get the designation and use it then that'll be good enough for me so we made a hundred percent sure we fedexed him a box he got it the next day right when it was delivered I called him and said hey Joe I just want to let you know we just got the delivery receipt so you got your materials he went and got him, and he's like okay yeah thank you they're here I really appreciate the follow-up and then within about 12 hours or 24 hours there was another post that was something like be careful what you say about the CDPE. this company really cares about you or something like that. And then that post was all about how he had made the prior post, which he linked to, and that I had called him and that we'd fixed it and that he had gotten in our system and started taking the course and that it was phenomenal. And like, he's so happy that he got, got into the designation. He's so excited about it. To give you like a summary of what happened after that, Joe became one of our biggest referrers of new members. Not only did he refer new members, he referred us to larger organizations that we could work with. Joe Pryor is still a friend of mine. Like that has been a relationship that has now persisted over ten years because I picked up the phone and I called him. So when there's an issue with a member in the or or a customer or a client or you know whatever it is for you, first fix it in the present. Now, if you're in the future and you haven't done that. That's okay, a lot of businesses are in that place. And if your product wasn't in a great place when somebody bought it, the best thing you can do is be, and I, I had this conversation with Eddie on our team this morning, transparency always wins. I know that's such a hard belief system to adopt and it took me decades to understand that. But when you are real with people, when you are legitimately honest with people, when you tell them where you had faults and where you had issues, and then you, you like try and make a repair. They will hear you so much of the time, not all the time. If you made somebody really mad or if they were really counting on you and you know, you frustrated them, like you might be able to not be able to win that client back. But if you have people who used to work with you and you can do an, in as personal a format as possible like a phone call or a direct personal email or a direct text message that leads to a phone call you can say hey you know i want to let you know we screwed up or we we maybe not screwed up because the language might trigger some people but you can say like hey you came to us before we made the following mistakes and we really like the opportunity to earn your business back here's what we've done to fix things and get on a call and talk to the person be real and be honest and be transparent and be humble and every single person in the world has made massive mistakes every single person in the world has let somebody down and every single person in the world has gone back and tried to repair at some level of success and if you are honest about the mistake and you're honest that you let them down and you tell them what you're willing to do to fix it and how you like them to re-experience things that is going to give you the highest likelihood the highest chance of not just bringing that person back but bringing that person back and creating a success out of it and There's a lot of people who say, hey, just move on. Just go talk to other people. Just, you know, if if you have people from the past, you don't even need to re-engage them. I want you to know that just the fact that you ask this question tells me that instinctively you are a really good entrepreneur because when we go back and repair, when we go back and fix things, when we go back and correct expectations that were missed, Oftentimes, that's where we create the biggest advocates for our product, just like in the story I told you about, Joe. So I would highly encourage you to do it. Take the time to do it. Take the time to do it right. Do it in as personal a format as you can. Do not send out a mass email to all of the past clients that you have, unless, it's, unless you're selling like a low-dollar retail good. But if, if you've let somebody down, make up for it with the appropriate channel of communications where it's as personal as possible based on how many people you're contacting.
1: Yeah, we're all human. It's like being vulnerable is, is the key to, to, you know, them understanding where you're coming from. I mean, we all make mistakes, so I'm glad that you shared that. That was such a good point, Alex. And I know, like, this week we have been talking in the community about the new platform, so let's uh, dive into that section. Let me see if we have any questions in the comments. I don't think we do. If you guys have any questions in the comments, you can still post them while we're here. Um, But let's talk a little bit about the new platform, since we've been talking about that this week inside the community. Um, And and I have a question for you, Alex. So in regards to the new platform. Let's see. How can I rephrase? How can I rephrase this? Um, I know the answer to this, because I'm obviously in the membership program. But I want everyone to know in this community how long do people right now take to implement the process and the systems that you have created within our membership program in their company, and their business? Like, what are the things that we're hearing from people and our members right now?
0: Yeah, so... um you know we've just completely updated and rewritten our entire product uh from like ground up every resource every video everything has been rewritten and really with several goals in mind one is we wanted to make sure we maintain minimum effective dose like what's the minimum you can do to get the biggest result because that's where the magic happens if you're doing anything that's wasted time then you're not going to get the biggest result and so i'm i'm like fanatic obsessed with minimum effective dose um, also, I wanted to make sure we had a streamlined process that made it really easy for people to understand and that we clarified and corrected any of the recurring bottlenecks and issues that we saw with people trying to implement our systems. And here's a result that we've seen. In the previous iteration of the product, it probably took people somewhere between six to nine months, maybe as long as a year to get our system fully installed, but it still had massive effects on their business. Like we we fixed a product that a lot of people would say wasn't broken. Now with some of the new people going through the system, they're getting up and running as little as 90 days. So we've massively like reduced the amount of time it takes to get that base level operating system installed in a business. And we have an operating system. That operating system is, is the shift from personality to process run business personality run business is where you're telling everybody what to do, checking that it got done, telling them what to do again. It's where you are driving most of the projects. It's where you're driving most of the meetings. It's where you're running most of the meetings. A process-based business is where people understand their outcomes. They know how they're creating success and they know their responsibilities and responsibilities of the people around them. And the process runs the business, not your personality. And that process is now being installed way faster. And we're seeing crazy results. Like when I say like we're really seeing crazy results. We had one member who she runs a coaching program. She installed the process and she keeps telling us how she's doing way less for her business week to week but she just had a record month last month and she's on pace for another record month this month. And when you go from personality to process, it's amazing because your time immediately goes down in the business and the success of the business typically goes way up. And we're just seeing it across the board with the people who are coming in and installing the new content.
1: Yeah, I love to see that. We we have seen so, so many good feedback and I, I made a post here um yesterday in the community so that you guys could see like what members are saying um, for the actual platform and how they've been able to implement with less time. Isn't that what every entrepreneur wants? More freedom, more freedom. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, hey, um, Alex, let me see. What? Um, how can people reach us? And if they want to uh, get on a call with us with the coaching team, how can they do that?
0: So if you're interested in what we do, we talk to every single person who's coming into our program. We have an over 90% success rate. And the way we maintain that 90% success rate is we want to be able to get on a call with you and see if we can help you and genuinely see if we can help you. And so you can go to simpleoperations.com. There's a link right there on the homepage. Click it, answer a few questions for my team and then you'll get a calendar where you can sign up for a call and I want to just give you a little foreshadowing of that call. It's a simple call, not high pressure sales at all, but what we want to do is understand where your business is now, where you want it to go and what bottlenecks, what issues, what challenges are in the way. Once we understand those things, we can tell you whether our program, our membership will help you eliminate or overcome those bottlenecks and challenges. And if it will, we will present our membership to you and if we feel like there's something more important for you to do at this time, we'll also have that discussion with you. people tell us about getting on this call is things like they feel seen and heard for the first time in a long time. They didn't realize everything that was going on in the business, but the way we ask questions really made things clear and that they're feeling a massive level of relief just understanding that someone understands their problems and has a solution. And so go to simpleoperations.com, click on the link on the homepage, answer a few questions for my team, and then set up a call with the calendar. We're looking forward to connecting with you.
1: We can't wait to chat with you guys soon. Well, Alex, um you will not be here next Thursday, so that's an uh update here for the the community. You guys are going to see my lovely face and John's lovely face and Eddie's lovely face, so we will still do a live q and I will be making a post in the community on Monday um with the information to the live and, and and an opportunity for you guys to ask the team questions, you know, the people that are like living, breathing day in and day out this operating system you get to ask us some questions too so alex any last minute thoughts questions you're going on vacation are you excited
0: I'm, i'm gone for the next two weeks super excited about it we're taking the kids down to costa rica but I would highly recommend that you jump on that call and that you ask questions of the team members because here's some of the stuff that you can ask them that I think will be really revealing. <clears throat> what's it like to work in a company that has an operation system? Uh, what was it like to get hired into this company? What's it like day to day where things are spelled out for you, where you really understand what's going on? And what's it like to, to work in a company that we use all the tools we train somebody else? And so if you're an entrepreneur growing a business, that means you're probably growing a team in some way. And so this is an opportunity for you to interact with three people who work in our system all the time, who have been in a lot of other organizations and worked in those, but are seeing and feeling and living working in a company with an operation system. So I think it's a huge opportunity for everybody. I wouldn't be surprised if we see see some members sign into that call to be able to ask those types of questions.
1: That is going to be so much fun. We are so excited. We have like this little graphic we set up and everything. I can't wait to share it with you guys. <laughs> well, Alex, any last minute thoughts? Um, vacation sounds amazing right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I'm, I'm I, I love going on vacation, but it's funny. I love coming back just as much. So I'm excited to spend some time with Katie and the kids, and I will see everybody here. Not next week, not the week after, but the week after that. Thanks, everybody.
1: Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here today.